Thank you for joining us for this sermon podcast from First Baptist Church at the Fields. I'm Dr. Brent Taylor, and we invite you to join us each week in worship. I am praying for you and trusting God will use this message to encourage your faith and strengthen your walk with him. I want to thank you all for coming out today. My name is Kel Buckner, as Brent said, so grateful for his kind words and grateful for the opportunity to share uh, in this pulpit today. Uh, I pray that each of you had a terrific Christmas, um, that you were blessed, that Santa was good to you, and that you enjoyed time with family. We look forward to a new year. We look forward to 2024, and I look forward to sharing God's word with you today. My prayer for, for you and for myself today is that God would speak, that God would, would do something in your life um, that he's never done before, that God would work afresh in your heart and in your mind today. We're going to look at God's word and we're going to look at what God's word has for us today. Before we get started, I have a short video for us to watch. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. I just I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here there. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it. Stop it? Yes! S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, 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 you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since childhood. No, 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 no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. Well, I wish it were that easy. I wish it were that easy to just stop it. Um, today, we're going to look at God's word, and we're going to look at a few topics today. We're going to look at the topic of anxiety. We're going to look at the topic of worry but ultimately, we're going to look at the core root of, of worry and anxiety. And ultimately, it is a lack of peace in your life. 
And I know that many of us may struggle with having peace in our life, that feeling of inner contentment. And again, I wish it were just that easy to to stop it, but it's not. But I can say today that God's word speaks clearly on that topic. And it's more than just telling us to stop worrying and to stop being anxious. But he gives us words of hope and words of encouragement. And I think it will bless you today. We're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount today. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount, it spans from Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7. The specific piece of the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to be in today lies right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, of that famous discourse that I'm sure many of you are familiar with. In fact, I remember being a freshman in college, and this was probably the hardest thing that I did in all of school, but I had a professor that forced me to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. And at the time, it was weeping and gnashing of teeth. I hated it. It was so difficult to memorize. I didn't hate the Sermon on the Mount. I hated the idea of having to memorize it. But now that I look back and I've memorized it, it brings comfort to me. God's word brings comfort and hope and healing into my life. Some believe that the Sermon on the Mount was just directed at the disciples. That it was just to the disciples, but we know that there was a large crowd around Jesus. In fact, he preached um, the Sermon on the Mount on a mountainside along the Sea of Galilee near Capernaum. And a large crowd gathered to him. Many believed that he was speaking to the disciples, but there were many onlookers that would partake in hearing the Sermon on the Mount. Ultimately, as we read that passage we see a very high ethical and moral standard that Jesus is sharing. It often seems unrealistic or unattainable, similar to uh, the unrealistic Bob Newhart in the clip that we watched earlier on, that you just can't stop it. As one commentator writes in regard to the Sermon on the Mount, it's one powerfully comprehensive yet compact message where Jesus sets forth the foundational truths of the gospel of the kingdom that he came to proclaim. And today, right in the middle of that Sermon on the Mount, he addresses where many of us may be today, anxious, worried, lacking peace in your life, lacking a sense of contentment, in your life. And it's so interesting. We find ourselves here uh, right after Christmas, right before New Year, that weird week where you don't know if you say Merry Christmas or Happy New Year. You've spent time with family, you've opened gifts, you've eaten food. But ultimately, the holidays for many are a time of anxiety, a time of worry. And so I think this is a very timely message for us today. Unless, of course, all of you have perfect families and your Christmas was just flawless. Today, 
If you would, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And as you're turning to Matthew chapter 6, I just want to say that we live, we breathe, we work, and we worship in a world that's full of worry. Many of us, we lack peace. We lack a sense of contentment. And we find ourselves that our life is full of anxiety and worry. And I find myself in that as well. I've battled those things much of my life. And I know that worry and anxiety, it's, it's both physical and emotional. It has a physical and emotional component, but it also has a spiritual component as well. We serve a God that's the God of our bodies, the God of our minds. And while worry and anxiety is physical and emotional, it's also spiritual. And today, for the sake of time, we're going to look at that spiritual component, this feeling of having no peace. We look at this passage, many of you are familiar with it. It speaks directly on worry and anxiety, but most of the worry and anxiety that this passage speaks of is actually talking about that which is material and fleshly. Which is interesting because for many people, their worldview, when they're asked, what is life? They would say, well, it's what I can feel. It's what I can touch. It's what I experience. It's the material. It's the physical. And Jesus here addresses that. But he also leads us to a bigger picture. He shows us that life is much more than that which is material and that which is physical. And today we will find truth and encouragement on how to have true biblical peace in your life that leads to a life of contentment. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. We'll start in verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. The Lord says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Directly, Jesus hits us right where we are. He's, he hits us at our, at, our, at our core, the necessities of life, what you will drink, what you will drink, what you will, what you will wear, and what you will eat. Our core necessities for life to survive. And he says, look, disciples, crowd, onlookers, is life not more than that? Is life not more than worrying about what you will eat and what you will drink and what you will wear? Immediately, he answers the question, in the, really in the form of a rhetorical question, that life is so much more than even the necessities of life. And as one commentator says on worry specifically, worry is the opposite of contentment. It's the opposite of contentment. And that contentment should be the believer's normal, consistent state of mind. And Jesus directly goes there and he says, is life not more than this? Let's continue. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. 
Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So immediately we see that to have true peace and true contentment in our life, it's founded on our value that's given to us by the God of the universe. So if we are going to have true contentment in our life, true peace in our life, where we're not living a life of worry and anxiety, if we are to experience in our inward life true peace, true contentment, we must begin with the truth that God, the God of the universe, places value on you. And you may be sitting there and you may be thinking, yeah, but God was talking to the disciples. He wasn't talking to me. He was talking to the disciples. He was talking to this crowd. There's no way he was talking to me. Let me tell you today that the God of the universe is speaking to you directly in your heart today. He is saying you are valuable. You are of much value. And no matter what lie the enemy tries to tell you now as you're sitting in that seat today, this passage is to you. This passage is to you, and he's saying, you are valuable. You are valuable to have true peace that leads to contentment. We must take hold of the truth that God places value on us. John MacArthur writes, um, he's a familiar pastor and commentator. He writes this. Yet no bird is created in the image of God or recreated in the image of Christ. No bird has ever been promised airship with Jesus Christ throughout all of eternity. No bird has a place prepared for him in heaven. Sorry if you have a pet bird. And if God gives and sustains life for birds, will he not take care of us? who are his children and who have been given all of those glorious promises. You see, Jesus, as he's talking to the disciples, he's saying, look at the birds around you. Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 don't talk about them being made in my image, but it does talk about you being made in my image. My word says that you will be an heir with Christ Jesus if you take claim of his forgiveness. He doesn't say that about the birds, and he's saying that you children of God are valuable. And if I take care of the birds that I never promised that they would have a place in heaven or that they would be an heir with me, and I promise that to you, how much more value are you than the birds? Ultimately, he's saying, you're thinking in an earthly manner, disciples. You look at what you have to eat and what you have to drink and what you have to wear. Life is more than that because the God of the universe says that you are valuable. He also adds in there a reference to time. Verse 27, he says, can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life. Ultimately, Christ is saying here, I know the days 
that I have allotted you. I know the hours and the minutes that I have allotted you. And guess what? You can't add anything to it. I'm the holder, creator, sustainer of time. You are valuable to me. And you can have true peace in me. Secondly, the word of God goes on in Matthew chapter 6, verse 28. And it says this. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Ultimately, God says, not only are you valuable, but I am prescribing beauty to you. I am saying that you are my child, you are my creation, you are made in my image. Not only are you valuable to me, but you're beautiful to me. I spent some time over Christmas in the promised land. No, not Israel or, or, or anywhere there. I spent time in East Texas, the true promised land. Amen? Amen. There's not many East Texas folks in here, I can tell. All right. I spent some time in East Texas where there's beautiful trees and grass and, and pastures and forest. And I remembered this passage and I remembered how beautiful, how beautiful all of that is to me. Um, and I remember if God can paint a picture like that, if he can paint a picture as beautiful as East Texas, how much more will he clothe me in beauty and in value? And he's talking to you. He's saying, if I take care of the birds, if I clothe the grass and the trees in beauty who are here today and tomorrow are thrown into the fire, how much more are you? How much more are you sitting in the chair today? How much more value do you have to the God of the universe? How much more beautiful are you to the God of the universe today? It gives reference to Solomon in this passage. If you are familiar, Solomon was pretty incredible. He had lots. This is a reference to 1 Kings chapter 10 verses 4 through 7. If you have time later, I encourage you to go read it. It talks about Solomon's splendor, the things that he had. And in God's word, it says here that I tell you, not even Solomon is clothed like the grasses. Not even Solomon is as beautiful as my creation. How much more are you? It's another reminder that life and true beauty is more than the accumulation of things, but rather in who God says that you are. 
I don't know if you are like me, but I am a um, professional people pleaser, recovering people pleaser. I'm also a recovering, um, uh, what's the right word? I, I, I don't ever give myself any slack, right? I'm always my own biggest critic in my life. I could have done this better. I could have done that better. I could have said that. I could have done this. And ultimately, God is saying, Kale, are you not valuable to me? Are you not beautiful to me? Life is more than the accumulation of things, but in who God says that you are. And if God says that you are his child, that you are his heir, that's pretty powerful language. He never promised that to anyone but you. He gives another reference to time, and he says that the flowers are here today, and they're gone tomorrow. They're thrown in the fire tomorrow. God holds the time, and he says that you are valuable and beautiful. Continuing on, we can have true peace in our life, not only because the God of the universe says that you are valuable, not only because the God of the universe says that you are beautiful, but because the God of the universe intimately knows you. He intimately knows you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, it says this. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. This is a reference back to a few verses earlier, Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, the Lord's Prayer, where he says this, do not be like them, for your heavenly, fathers know, your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him. He's saying even in our prayers that God knows you intimately. He knows your heart, your mind, your needs, your desires, your wants, and your hurts. And he knows you. You see, we can have true peace in our life because God values you. He says that you are beautiful, but he also knows you. And if you're sitting there today again and you're saying, yeah, all this makes sense, Kel, but... Jesus isn't talking to me because I've done this. Jesus might have meant those things if I hadn't done X, Y, and Z, but I did. Let me tell you today that the God of the universe knows you intimately. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows your past, your present, and your future. And he says that you are valuable. He says that you are beautiful. He says that you are loved. He says, why do you concern yourself with what you are to eat, what you are to drink, what you are to wear, the basic necessities of life? I know you. And I give those things to the birds. How much more will I give you? 
We can have true peace in our life because God knows us. And ultimately what Christ is saying here is that worry and concern and anxiety is inconsistent with the Christian life. It's inconsistent with the Christian life. And that's a hard pill for me to swallow because I find myself anxious and worrisome a lot. And I'm sure you do as well. And what Christ is saying here in this passage is that when we are doing those things, we are setting aside the truth that God has said we are of much value and that we are beautiful and that he intimately knows us and we accept the lie of the enemy. We accept the lie of the enemy that we are of no value, that we are of no beauty, that that Jesus knows us and because he knows us, he doesn't love me. You are known. And ultimately, Christ is talking about a discontentment that is futile. Discontentment that doesn't matter. Which is so interesting because many of us are probably just coming off of Christmas and we've opened lots of gifts, yet we find ourselves still discontent with what we have, with what we've been given. Christ is speaking here of discontentment that is ungodly. He's not talking about godly discontentment. And there is such a thing. There is a, there is a righteousness in being discontent with where we are spiritually. If we are content with where we are spiritually, then I don't believe we're in God's will because we're on this side of eternity. Amen? Christ is not referring to that. There is legitimate time and place for discontentment when it has to do with our spiritual growth or evil in the world and a desire to change it. We are more focused here on sinful discontentment. And Jesus directly speaks to that and he says, I've got your back, I'm taking care of you. Lastly, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 and 34, the Lord says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You see, the Lord kind of puts a bow on this passage on worry and anxiety and discontentment and having lack of peace in our life. And he's speaking directly to us and he says, you, my children, you're valuable to me, you're beautiful to me, you are known by me, and I love you. Because of those truths, now do this. Now do this. The, the imperative to stop worrying here in Matthew chapter 6 is ultimately a, an imperative to, to stop doing what you're already doing. That he knows that we are full of worry, that we're, that we're full of anxiety, that we lack peace and contentment in our life. And he's saying, stop. But he doesn't leave us there like the counselor in the video. 
He doesn't leave us there like the counselor in the video that just says, stop it. In fact, that video goes on and he says, I have 10 words for you. And they're this. You might want to write them down. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. We serve a God and a counselor that is not like that counselor. We serve a God and a counselor, a perfect counselor that says, you are valuable, you're loved, you are beautiful, you are known, now do this instead. Instead of finding yourself being caught up in worry and anxiety, take hold of the truths that I've just spoken to you and do this, seek me. Seek me and all of these things will be taken care of. Seek me for tomorrow has enough worry and concern of its own. The, the, the call here is to reprioritize that which we call life to reprioritize what we see and value as important and seek him, to put him at the forefront of our life. It is more than the menial or rather the bare necessities that are addressed specifically in this passage. And it's also more than having much. You see the passage that we just read just comes off of Matthew six nineteen through 24 where Jesus talks to the crowd about having much. He talks about serving God and money and how you can't serve both God and money. You can't have two masters. And so this, this calling to, to set aside the worries and the anxiety of life and to find true peace and contentment in Christ alone, in the truths that Christ has said about you, he's saying life is more than than the bare necessities, and it's more than having much. Life is about seeking me. Life, life is about taking hold of the claim that, that you are mine and no one else's. We can have true peace only when we take hold of these truths. That you're valuable, that you're beautiful, that you're known, and we reprioritize our life by seeking Christ alone. By seeking Christ alone, that life is more than what we can see and touch and feel. But it's a life in Christ. Most view contentment in terms of stuff. Most view contentment in terms of life status. I'm not happy with what I have. I'm not happy with where I'm at. I'm not happy with my job. I'm not happy that I'm not president, but I'm vice president. I'm not happy that I'm associate and not senior. I'm not happy where I am. I'm not happy with my life status. I'm not happy with what I have. And Christ says here, life is more than those things. The stuff, it doesn't matter. I'm calling you to inner peace. The status, it doesn't matter. I'm calling you to inner peace. Necessities, guess what? Taken care of. I'm calling you to inner peace. When we take hold of these truths, 
and we take hold of the two words that aren't stop it, but the two words that are seek me, we will find true peace. We will find true peace in our life. As we close today, as we draw to an end to our time, many of you may be sitting there and you may be thinking, I like peace in my life. My question to you is, where do you truly lack peace? Where do you truly lack peace? And where is God calling you to reprioritize that which is important in your life? This passage speaks directly that he takes care of the necessities. If he takes care of the birds, how much more are you? He's saying life is more than, than the menial. Life is more than having much. Life is about seeking me and placing me at the forefront of my life. So where do we lack peace? And I'll tell you, and I'll be very clear to you today. You can only have true peace in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I grew up in church. I grew up uh, with terrific parents that, that taught me God's word, um, that taught me what it was to to love God, to serve God, but I lacked peace in my life. And it wasn't until I was 18 years old that I truly found peace in my life. And it was through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Many of you are searching today for peace. You're searching for peace that can only come through a relationship with Jesus. And we have to be honest with ourselves. Do we lack that relationship? And if you do today, you can change that. You can change that and say, God, I lack peace in my life. You are the only peace. You're the only thing that can bring true peace in my life. I give you my life. Forgive me for what I've done. I know that you know them. You know my past, my present, my future. Forgive me. Make me yours. Make me an heir with Christ today. Many of you are believers and you're saying, I lack peace. I lack peace in my life. My prayer for you today is that you would take hold of God's truth today, that you wouldn't accept the lie of the enemy, that you are of no value, that you have no beauty, that you are known and that God doesn't love you. That's a lie from the pits of hell. God's word says here that you are of much value, that you are loved, that you are known, and you are his. And we have to reprioritize that which is important in our life and seek him. My prayer for you is that 2024 would be marked, that it would be a year of seeking after Christ, running after Christ, living in true peace, in true contentment, that God has called you to and saying, God, you are enough. You are enough. Let me live faithfully to you. Let me seek you and find true contentment in my life. I want to pray for us today. And then the band is going to come up and they're going to sing one last song. But I want to encourage each of us as the music is playing Every single one of us have a decision to make today. 
Anytime God's word is opened, you have a response. The problem is most of us make that response unknowingly. We hear God's word and we move on. We go to lunch, we go watch some football, and we let our weeks carry on. For most of us, that's our response. Don't make that mistake today. Every single one of us have a response. If you lack true peace in your life today, my encouragement today is that your response is to give your life to Jesus. If you have given your life to Jesus and you have experienced true peace, but you're in a season lacking peace of worry, of anxiety, of lacking true contentment, seek after the Lord. We have ministers in the connect room that are ready to speak to you, to pray with you. If your life, if you just need somebody to talk to, we have counseling services that our church provides. I encourage you to talk to a minister about that. There's no shame in any of it. Find peace today in Christ Jesus alone. Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you. I thank you, God, that you have said that we are of much value, that, God, we are beautiful in your eyes, that if you take care of the birds, how much more will you take care of us? If you clothe the grasses and the trees in beauty, how much more are we? Because not even Solomon, your word says, was clothed like the flowers. God, let us take claim today of true peace that can only be found in you. If there's anyone in, in this room today or online in the sound of my voice that has never given their life to you, that's never experienced true peace, God, I pray today would be the day that they would give their life to you. If there's believers in here today that lack peace, God, I pray that your spirit would surround them, that you would speak words of truth into their life, that they are valuable, that they are loved, that they are known, and they are beautiful in your eyes, that you would lead us in this next year to reprioritize that which is important and seek after you. God, we love you and we praise you. Thank you that we can have peace in you. And God, we look forward to the day where there's no more pain and suffering, where there's no more worry and anxiety, where we will be united with you, where we will have complete peace for eternity. Until then, God, let us taste true contentment. Let us taste what it is to have peace in our life that's only through Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' name.